Hello, welcome to another installment of the podcast, Working Drummer. Today I talked to Keo Stroud. If you are a drummer here in Nashville, you probably know Keo. He is one of the most uh, socially active drummers that I've ever met in my life. He's had an insane 2014 with touring. He's been busy with so many different acts, from Rodney Crow to Big and Rich. To find out about this podcast and information about other podcasts, go to workingdrummer.net or visit us on Facebook. Here's Keo. Man, what are you up to these days? What's uh, what's keeping you busy? I mean, you, you mentioned Big and Rich. Yeah, I've been doing that. I guess I've been doing that since June, uh-huh. I think. Uh, it's been fun. It's been, you know... Awesome. You know, we did. We got to do... They had, You know, they put out a single this year. Uh, it's called Look At You. Did really well. Mm-hmm. I think it went top five. Oh, cool. Their second of their career, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yep. Was the first one Save a Horse? Nope. No, it wasn't that one. Save a Horse peaked at 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, Lost This Moment went number one. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And then this went, I think, five or six. I can't remember. You know, one of the, it doesn't matter. It's there, right? Yeah. It's in the top ten for like six weeks, I think. Nice. Um, and then, uh, so with that, we did all the TV shows. You know, we did, okay. we did uh, The Bachelor. I think we did The Bachelor. We did Leno, or not Leno, Tonight Show, sorry. Uh, Queen Latifah. Uh, Guitar Center Sessions, which is awesome. Uh, what is that? I don't know what that is. So, the Hollywood Guitar Center that very back room, the acoustic guitar room or whatever, yeah. they have a TV show now, show called the uh, Guitar Center Sessions. Wait a minute, I have seen, and speaking of Brady Blade, I think I saw him play. Possibly so. With uh, Daniel Lenoir. Yeah, probably. Yes. Yeah, I mean, him, that's that awesome. Tight, so. Yes. So we did that this year, which, which actually comes out in two weeks, January 2nd. Uh-huh. The, the Guitar Center Sessions thing comes out. And that was fun, man. It was like, we did Queen Latifah and that the same day. Is that acoustic? Is that broke down the... the... No, it's, it was full on. It's full on. Oh. It was, you know, obviously it, the room is the same, same size as my apartment here. Yeah. Uh, so we had to, I had to play a little quieter yeah. than everybody else. But we only was full on. You know, but it's it was, big and rich. It was It's not full on sweating. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was wow, like man. all the lights, your lights like right behind your, you know. Uh, but it was cool, man. It was. That's neat. That's neat. Yeah, it was. That's uh, cool. It was a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed that, man. But yeah, it's been good, man. It's like, you know. So, so with this, with the single doing well, you know, playing a bunch of shows. Yeah. So I, I started with them in, in June, and we just kind of rocked through. Now we last Thursday was our last show. Okay. Uh, before Christmas, we after Christmas we we did a Liberty Bowl. Okay. Uh, the halftime show for the Liberty Bowl in neat. Memphis. And then, we're, and then I think we're done until March. Okay. So, but, no, it's been good, man. It's just been a Because I, I ran into you at Forks and uh, a while ago, and you had been doing some shows with Rodney Crow. Uh-huh. And um, it sounded like a really cool uh, acoustic-style setup. It was. That you were doing. And uh, I think I had run into you before that, and you were playing with him as well. So I didn't know how that had changed, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been playing with Rodney for 10 years. Oh, there so, you go. 
So yeah, yeah I started. I started playing Rodney in two thousand four. So that'd be ten years. Yeah, yeah. I was 24, 34 years. So yeah, I think it's. Okay. I think that's about right. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, this year he had a record called Tar Paper Sky that came out, mm-hmm. and it was him and Stuart Smith uh, that plays guitar with the Eagles. Oh, cool. And Stuart played Rodney for many years before that. Before he played the Eagles, and he made his record together. And then he wanted to tour, but he wanted to be upright bass, little drum kit, and then Stuart on electric, and yeah. then he played acoustic. Um, and we did, man. We did, we did like probably forty dates, like in a, in a well, like we were done in June. Oh, wow. So like, yeah. So we did between February and June first, we played forty, maybe fifty shows. And you started with Big and Rich in June. Yeah, so very. Did you know that was coming up? No, no. A very strange year, actually. I had. I started Let's talk off, about 2014. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been cool, man. So I did. I started off with Stummy Larue. Yeah. In January, January second, actually, it was weird. January second, everything happens January second. Um, something happened with the drummer. I'm not sure if he quit or had to leave or I don't know what happened. So I get a get a phone call at. I don't know, one thirty in the morning, and it says, hey man, I need you to come to Steamboat, Colorado, first thing in the morning. Oh, and wow. play. The next day, uh, that morning, it's one thirty in the morning. Yeah. And so hours from that point, you'd be on a plane. He said, yeah, and I, and I go, okay, yeah, and he goes, and we're actually going to be out for two weeks, can you play the next two weeks? Well, I was like, yeah, I can, you know, no problem. And it's just, it's cold, dress, you know, dress warm. That's, you know, that's kind of what he said. I was like, all right, thanks. So I got an email with my plane ticket, the whole deal. Yeah. And uh, I had taken all the songs off my phone, so I had to put them all back on my phone so I could listen to them on, you know, the flight. So I stayed up, had to pack for two weeks. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know, I don't have any drums out there. So I had to bring as much stuff of mine with me on the yeah. flight. So I brought cymbals, snare drums, pedals, sticks, of course. Yeah. Um, and they said, we're going to find you a drum set. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> the drummer was leaving with his stuff. So it wasn't like a fly date with backline gear included. It was a tour that was rolling. Yeah. Already. And everybody had their stuff with them. Yeah, they were already there. Okay. They this were, was where, I'm sorry? Started off in Steamboat, Colorado. Yeah, okay. So they were already there. Yeah. There's a, uh, Texas Music has a... They do a big festival there every year. I forget what they call it, but yeah. Steamboat, uh-huh. blah, 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 and all the big Texas guys are there um, to play the festival, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I so I did. I went to the airport. You know, I have five bags with me, which we all know is expensive. <laughs> uh, I learned that day that if you upgrade to first class, you get three free bags plus your two carry-ons. What air, do you remember what airline? It was Delta. Delta? Yeah. Okay. I think. Is it Delta or USA? I think it was Delta. I wouldn't be surprised. Delta, they're they're winning me over with a few things that they're doing yeah. doing right. Yeah, because we do, yeah, cool. we've been finding them quite a bit. Yeah. So anyway, so, yeah, so I go do that, you know, it was mm-hmm. fine. So yeah, for two weeks, and then he's, there's still no drummer. Like, I'm just, I'm just subbing the gig. You know, I'm just... I'm the filling guy because they they all live in Texas and Oklahoma. I live in Nashville, so yeah. it was like, okay, well, y'all do this, and then I'm done. Yeah. So 
I'm going to the airport. <laughs> They're dropping me off the airport, and they go, "Hey, man, can you play next week?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that went on for about a month and a half of you know it's like two weeks, and then another month and a half, and then finally I had I was like, "Oh man, I got these dates with Rodney coming up. I yeah. gotta go do that." Yeah. So they're like, oh, no problem, man. So, you know, we'll... So I went out and played two, two weeks of Rodney doing promo stuff. Austin City Limits. And, not Austin City Limits, but... Uh, what's the... The fest down there? What's the festival? The ACL Fest? Maybe that's what it's I'm called. I'm not sure. It's, it, it, in, uh, it's in Austin. Oh, South by Southwest? South by Southwest. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Oh, nice. So we went and did two weeks. We did a week there and a week of shows. And then... It was really weird. So then I went out with this guy named Chad Warwick, who I helped produce his record. So I went out with him for another for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, like, happening, right? Nice. It fell in place. It just fell in place. So I went out with Chad for two weeks. Then Stoney called again. He yeah. goes, hey, man, I got this tour with Randy Rogers. The drummer's not working out. We've been through four drummers, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, so can you, can you come out and do it? So I go to Chad. I go... Hey man, so I was doing this thing with Stony. Like, I did kind of say that I'm, you know, I, I could possibly do this. You have one thing. Because, yeah. oh yeah, man. Meanwhile, I could do the Stony thing, and Chad picks up a tour. So he's got three, you know, six weeks worth of, worth of work. And I'm like, oh crap, you know. But my buddy uh, Ben Jackson subbed the gig for me. Yeah. And everybody was cool, so sure. I went back out with Stony for two weeks. <laughs> wow! In two weeks, two weeks seems to be the magic number. It's like yeah, so Stony for two weeks, and then while I was Stony, Rodney called and said, "We have six weeks worth of gigs mm-hmm. books. Can you can you do it?" Uh yeah, I can. You know, sure. Yeah. So the day we finished with Stony, I flew back to Nashville. We started rehearsals with Rodney, and then we we left. In between that, we had a week off. How have I seen you this year? I know, it's really How have I run into you? It's so weird, man. I know. So we had like a week off, and then I went back out with Chad. Yeah. And then while I was with Chad, I got a call from McHugh to come out and do the uh, ACMs with with Keith Urban. Oh, right. So I heard about that. Yeah. So so Chris McHugh, who plays with Keith Urban. Yeah, yeah. So he called, and then me, Chris, and Steve did that, which was awesome um, then I went back out with Chad and then Rodney again and then Jake Owen for two weeks or a week and a half yeah and they go <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so when I got the of Big and Rich I had to sub out the first week because I had already already committed to doing the Jake Owen thing mm-hmm. back in January because that was the only thing I had yeah. for the year was I was going to go out with Jake I was going to do I guess a week and a half with Jake in June and then again in August mm-hmm. so those were the only two things I had mm-hmm. for the summer and then the big rich thing came up and they were totally cool with me you know having to miss the first first two shows I think okay and then then I played everything with them up until then I had to go back out with Jake again because we had already had it booked and believe it or not we just weren't working that just day. with that day oh my god <laughs> Well, I think most people need to know that that normally doesn't happen. It does not happen. happen. It's like, it is. When it does happen, it's beautiful. Mr. Lucky. Uh, <laughs> but, at the, but man, at the same time, as long as I've known you, uh, you juggle things so well. And you've always been able to keep lots of plates spinning. 
And so this seems like a classic, <laughs> a, a awesome year. Yeah, to, to have done that. To, to be, you know, it's been freakishly great. I mean, yeah. like it's, I I can't, you know, I can't describe it. Like seriously, like I, I yeah. can't like everything. The Grammys are next year, but everything minus playing the Grammys, I've I've done this year, and yeah. I'm super super happy. Yeah. You know, everything I wanted to do. I, I didn't. We didn't play the CMAs, but we did do a really cool after party that was great. Yeah. Uh, over at John's house, it had a bunch of really cool uh, special guests that we played play with, that we played with. So that was cool. But yeah, man, it's been it's been weird. It, I mean, and then what's really cool is last, last December. We started working on a record with a guy named Kev Mo. Kev Mo? Yeah. Oh, I know Kev Mo. Yeah. So that's wow, that's great. That record, the Blues Americana record, I played yeah. drums on it. Nice. So it came out in April, two weeks ago. Three Grammy nominations came off of it. I know. Wow. So it really has been like a freaky week. <laughs> freaky. <Wow. year. laughs> that's great, man. It's really. I mean, I'm so I'm super happy for those dudes. So that record is out. That record is out. And what's it called again? It's called Blues Americana. Blues Americana. I have heard of it. I yeah. have heard of it. Um, did really well for him. Uh, he put it out himself. Yeah. This year, it's, like, it's been like the year of people putting out great records by themselves with no no labels and having success because you know because of who they are. You know, of course, but well, right. But even but in despite despite of who they are, they're putting out records by themselves. Yeah. Uh, like so many people, it seems, mm-hmm. and probably with the support of their their notoriety and their name behind it, yeah, it's uh, pushing it maybe a little bit further down the road than of course, yeah, somebody yeah. else. No, yeah. But that's a great uh, what a good example for a lot of people that want to produce something or feel like they have to go through the traditional channels the way it's been. In the exactly, past. yeah, man. And it's nice. you know, and what's really cool watching watching Kevin and watching John and Kenny do this stuff this year it was amazing to see how they're, they're, they're successful you know like yeah. people know who they are they've you know they've done their thing they really don't have to do anything else but they love music and they love to you know they love to keep pushing so yeah. to see him and see them both work super super hard to put out something themselves and then have it be successful and then be like so incredibly thankful that people, you know, are buying it and listening to it and, and the whole deal. It really kind of like, kind of lit a fire into me, you know, to go, you know, there's, you can be comfortable if you want to be comfortable, yeah. or you can just keep pushing it. Like, yeah. if you're living, why, if you're living, why, why just sit around? You know what I mean? Like, keep going well would you define that as like a standard of living you know people make money so that they can have a certain standard of living but if what you do is creating a standard of living that you desire money is a part of the equation but isn't the answer no yeah yeah and it's funny because i don't think it's i don't think it's a driving force i don't think you know i think because i think because money's there yeah that the driving force is that they love music yeah, and they love. They want to put out stuff. They want to, right. you know. They they want to keep going. They want yeah. to, you know, personal goals. I guess you know what I mean. Like, well, eventually, I want to talk about what motivated you, what inspired you to get into music. But before we do that, it is really uh, cool to hear about that. That 
music continues to be the driving force behind these veteran players to continue to do what they do. And I'm sure that that makes their life and their career that much longer because it's a labor of love and it's not like once they reach a certain point then they're done. Yeah. You know, ever. Or they have to tour because they have bills they have to pay. Yeah. So we do the reunion tour. <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or they're selling out and they're or they're doing stuff that you would have never expected them to do when exactly. they first started and, and uh that's inspiring, man. That's yeah. Really I mean, cool. when you let it inspire you. Yeah, it, and it did. I mean, it's, I mean, it still does. Like, you know, I saw those guys yesterday and it was cool to see see them still have that driving force even on stage just never phoning it in like there's no like nobody in that band with with the BNR thing and even with Kev you know I met it's really funny I met Kevin on a cruise ship I was playing with Rodney Kevin uh, Kev Mo. oh Kev Mo. Okay. his real name is Kevin okay uh, so I met him on a cruise ship I was playing drums with Rodney Crowell and he was playing by himself it's yeah. just him and Resonator he saw me play a couple shows with Rodney he came to me and goes hey man I like the way you play drums. I was like, thanks. He goes, I'm on this ship by myself. Do you want to come play drums, play brushes with me? Yes. I go, oh, <laughs> sure. I don't know your songs, but okay, sure. Yeah. He goes, yeah, just come up to my room, man, and we'll go over a couple things. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to remember this because we, we're going to play like in a couple hours, you know. So I, mean, I <laughs> get a piece of paper and write your stuff down, and we did. And that's how that relationship started. Nice. And then six months later, he called me to play the, play the yeah. record, so... You know, when I first moved to Nashville 15 years ago, uh, my wife had a couple Kedmo records. And I took them, and they were a couple things that had this really nice groove tracks yeah. to them that I was like, I need something to practice along with before I start getting busy learning songs for gigs, which I had been doing a lot of up to that point. So... The time that I spent practicing along with music had kind of gone away. I hadn't really done much of it for a while. So I was looking into, like, well, what do I want to sound like? How do I want to kind of spend my time in the practice room? Well, I want stuff that feels good and is groovy and and kind of covers a wide range. And not knowing what Nashville had to offer, what country music was, if if I was going to even play country music or what. Um. And uh, it was a, it was those two Kevmo these two Kevmo records and I don't remember what they are I, oh. I can't remember the titles of them they were early on you know we're talking fifteen years ago yeah yeah oh, but wow, they yeah. were fun man but yeah. I'm super excited to hear what you're on man it's, it's cool it's, yeah man it's it's funny um, kind of another strange it's me and Steve Jordan on the record Ooh, no, that's it's not like, strange it's you know freaking it's, awesome it's man. so cool and in, in Casey also the the engineer played drums on a track. Uh, that's actually pretty funny because he's he's not he's a drummer but he's not like a drummer's drummer but you know but he plays drums you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. and he came up with this really really cool those guys always do yeah he came up with this really cool thing so they were like hey man we, we want you to kind of do what Casey did and I was like that sounds great I can't do that <laughs> isn't so that it, weird it just, it just you know yeah. they, they left it so uh, but no it was a really really fun experience very that's very very thankful like unbelievably thankful that's awesome man what what an awesome year there's times when uh, Eric Fritch has something that he played drums on and I'm like (laughs) I hate you man that sounds that just sounds great that's just oh Eric oh that's good yeah what led you into music what led you into drums 
Yeah, well, so my parents or my my dad and my grandfather and my great-granddad, they're all musicians. Mm -hmm. And so I just grew up around it. You know, they played at church. My grandfather is a minister of music. My dad's a guitar player. My aunt plays piano. My cousin plays piano. You know, like, it was always, just always around, you know, and yeah. pretty pretty tight-knit family. I, like, I'm the, the one that, like, left home, you know. Oh, okay. But, you know, but everybody else is still there, and, and they still did love where's, music. Where's town? Where's town? Uh, Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, they, you know, they do their thing, and it's great, you know. So, I just kind of grew up with that mm -hmm. thing. Um, then I discovered Modern Drummer, mm -hmm. you know, so I started getting Modern Drummers, got to drum videos, mm -hmm. went to my first PAS when I was in... I guess I was 12, so 92, you know, I went to one, uh, I think it was in Atlanta, with my parents, they took me, because I wanted to, blah, blah, uh, I got to meet some cool people, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. actually, one of the funniest, uh, Herb Broxstein, he used to own Promark, I met him, uh, and his son, I forget his son's name, Mari, I think, or Barry, one of the two, anyway, uh, but I remember going home and writing him a letter that said, you know, Mr. Broxstein, I one day, uh, when I become a professional drummer, I want to endorse Promark drumsticks. Yeah, yeah. Pretty funny. Like, because now I do. And now so, you do. Yeah, now so, you do. Now yeah. you're Promark. But he wrote me back, and he said, you let me know. Wow, that's really it cool. It was really funny. Now, it's yeah. just the guy that owned the drum store in Texas. Yeah. Okay, where Elvis went in to buy mm -hmm. the kit. Yep, that guy. For Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So it was yeah. really funny, man. And I had kept that letter for years, and I, yeah. I don't have it in... Uh, I never. He's, I think he's dead now. But I didn't. I didn't even get to yeah. tell him. You know, when because I was at, I was somewhere else before. I went to Promark, but I'd laugh about that. I go, oh my god! Like now the artist relation guy for there for a while was Jeff Hartso. Yeah, is he still? Do you know if he's still there? I don't think so. Uh, Marco Sicoli is there now. Okay, okay. He does. He does Evans and okay, uh, and Promark. Okay, so he does both. I well, know. actually, D. Dario in general. So yeah, right, uh, right. Uh, while we're on that real quick who else are you endorsed by so you've got Promark Sabian Sabian Mapex uh, Evans no yeah I think that's it or oh, I used to think those drum tags those okay. things are really cool you know cause it's kind of like, it's kind of like a moon jail but less messy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay I use that uh, it's really cool man out with Big and Rich uh, 12 14 20 inch gong drum <laughs> 22 by 14 inch kick drum playing 4 a 4 inch 4 by 14 snare and then a 4 by 12 snare you know oh yeah and yeah, then yeah. symbol wise 24 inch crash 24 inch crash oh 24 inch crash 24 inch crash you, need a, you know what you need you need an 18 inch bass drum <laughs> yeah I know and then I got a 20 inch china and then 17 inch hi-hats so it's really it's funny how the drums are kind of small. So they get, they're like you and Steve Jordan, seventeen inch. <laughs> yeah. high yeah. It's super goofy. You look at you look at that kid. You go, why are those mm -hmm. symbols so big? What so in in you know that's one thing that we haven't really done a whole lot of. We haven't really gotten into the the gear thing because we yeah. you know like we don't really geek out on the gear yeah, yeah. thing with this. Even though this is we're just this is kind of just starting. Yeah, but. In relation to gear, although it is nice to mention the endorsements and stuff like that, so if there's any connection to any of that or anything that we can mention, any of that stuff, it's it's always nice, and I'm sure yeah, the yeah. companies appreciate that too. They're nice people. Yes. Sounds <laughs> right. Well, and it's all and, and it's about relationships, and so building those relationships. Oh, very much so. Yeah. You know, 
But the gong bass drum? Yeah. What's up with that? How, how does that work? I and mean, when amazing. do you use that? Or do you use that very much? I or use it? it all the time. Really? Probably too much. Uh, yeah, man. It's, you playing it like a second floor time? I do. But yeah. it's up here. You know, I like... I'm like, like closet dad, Simon Phillips fan. And I and also love Billy Cobham, right? Which is really funny because I've play, always played like four-piece well, kids. But right, right. I love those dudes that have this massive sure. kids, you know? And so uh, it's just a... You know, imagine like a, just a natural boom, if that makes any sense. Like a, like a four tom. Right. So, with with being our the first song is coming to your city. So right. one, two, three, boom. Yeah. Bah, and then we're in. You know, so hit it, hit that in the four tom with that. Uh, Holy water has that break. You know, ga 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 ga. So once again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, look at you uh, coming out of the. Coming out of the break, uh, the, the breakdown, uh, Greg Morrow played this fill, through, 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 right? So mm-hmm. I just go 12, yeah, 14, 14, both together. And it's like a nice pause, big moment of, oh, okay, before you come in. So it's really... How big is it? It's a 20 by 11. Wow. So short, but the big, um, the whole kit is spray painted. Blue. <laughs> There's the spray paint right there behind you. Uh, <laughs> keep, yeah, keep going. I gotta, I'm gonna get a picture of this. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's good work. Yeah. I know. Get a picture of that. It is. Love it. Yeah, seriously. There's. That's. I, I take it on the road with me because I gotta touch up the kid every now and then. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, that is that is it. That looks like a color from the Slingerland when Slingerland was in Nashville and, and it was that blue. That's exactly where it came from. So I'm a big Greg Morrow fan. Like I love Greg Morrow. And he has that seafoam green kit. Yes. So I got some drums from Apex uh, to paint. I just wanted to paint, you know, because I, I was I wanted to have a project with me and my daughter. And uh, I was like, it'd be, it'd be kind of fun, you know. So then they got bored and started the project without her. Mm-hmm. So I sanded the drums down, went out and bought a, you know, a paint gun and a whole deal. Mm-hmm. Got the seafoam green, whole, the whole deal. The paint gun broke. Ugh. The paint job was horrible. And I really wanted to do something, so I had to go sand all the drums, you know, sand the bass yeah. drum, start with the bass drum, sand it down. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to get some spray paint. So yeah. I was like, I'm sure they have seafoam, seafoam green you know, spray mm-hmm. paint. Well, they don't. You have to get it specially made, uh, and there's a place here that'll do it. Then I was impatient, mm-hmm. so I just went to Lowe's. I was like, "This is close." All right, this is close. So. Now, do you carry that can with you? So if you use backline kit, you, know, <laughs> you can spray paint it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be you know, funny. This is, <laughs> on your rider, it says seafoam green spray paint. Yeah, you don't care what kit you uh, have. And what's I played? So that kit that I got was 12, 12 14, 16, 22, 16 inch bass drum, uh, and then the then the gong drum. So I painted all those mm-hmm. that color. So the sixteen inch bass drum was out with Rodney. So I used a sixteen inch bass drum, okay, right? Sixteen inch snare drum. 16-inch snare drum. Yeah, it's a Brady. So, uh, 
it's so actually me and Nick Buddha own it together. Oh, wow. It's really goofy, you know. <laughs> but, but it was like we both wanted the drum, but neither one was going to use it a whole lot. And it was like, well, we can go at half on drumming. Use it. Wow. That's so great. <laughs> so did that and played a tambourine with Rodney, and then uh, with Chad, this, the kit came out for a little bit yeah. when I was doing that, and now it's out with with Big and Rich, and it's funny because it's like this great sounding drum kit that I painted. It looks kind of cool under lights. You look up close, you're like, "Eh, this sucks." But yeah, you know, the average person no. can't, can't tell. No, I'm sure. sure. Yeah. And I got cool black hardware for it, and also it's like. You know, I was, uh, Picaro had a kit, I'm not sure what tour it was, but he had a blue, that's that Picaro blue, uh-huh. uh, that I think the guy from Pork Pie did, you know, the Bill, he painted, I think he painted most of Jeff's kits, so, the one, I can't remember what tour it was, but I think it's on that Live in Paris, maybe Live in Paris, or one of those, one of those Toto deals, mm-hmm. Picaro had black hardware, on the blue drums. Oh yeah, that must have been early on with black hardware. So. And I was like, man, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Black hardware on those blue drums. So yeah. Hey guys, like, do you guys need black hardware? We do. Yeah. Cool. Nice. So that's so that's that's like it's blue with the black. Hardware. Do you have a picture of it or a digital picture of it? Maybe yeah. yeah. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe you could send it to me. Yeah, we'll yeah. Put it on the website. Oh yeah. I'll send this to love. Two of the drums are actually inside. The okay. 16 inch bass drums in there. Okay, well, maybe I'll take a picture of the two. Because that would be cool, because uh, I think we're going to try and put some pictures up of, of some of the things that we talk about. And, oh, yeah. and if somebody wants to see it, then we'll there, get a picture of it and put that for sure there it on is. the website or at least the Facebook page and kind of get that there. It's pretty funny. That'd be awesome. It's pretty, Man, that'd be pretty comical. Um, <laughs> Uh, we we jumped from oh uh, yeah from family to seafoam green is, yeah yeah I know because my family's green everybody knows it uh, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, but no yeah so so the deal was so I I played drums you know around Athens a little bit but I was never you know I was never like the big fish in a small pond I was just a dude that played drums yeah. I played at church uh, my dad had a, had a top forty band uh-huh. so I played with those guys yeah uh, it's where I learned how to play double drums. Be you know double drumming, two okay. drummers at the same time. Okay. They were you know they were doing the James Brown mm-hmm. thing you know so that was fun. Going up doing that, uh, and then I I was kind of sort of working at a music store, but I never got paid, so working was not really what I would call it. I just kind of hung out there a lot. Uh, were you selling things? I was kind of an intern, I guess you know. Yeah, because that's what I wanted to do. You know, like you know, I grew up. You know, the idea of being a professional drummer was kind of weird you know it's like you know you people played music but nobody was like they weren't you know was it very few, was it like, not kind of realistic no, from your parents perspective or your it wasn't parents? realistic for mine or or theirs really I mean, we didn't you know Athens is a really strange place most people don't leave you know they they can it's growing now. yeah yeah This is a different sounding recording because uh, the digital recorder I had was not working. So we are trying to start over where we left off because yeah. Keo had some awesome information for us. <laughs> I don't know about awesome, but uh, yeah. Well, about what led to the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. so because the thing about, one of the things that I found interesting about what you were saying was the idea of being a professional player 
was not in your, uh, it didn't seem to enter your mind. You're like, I love drums. I love, maybe I could be a drum tech, but the idea of being a professional musician didn't seem to be something that you or your family talked about. Much. Yeah. I mean, we, it was funny. I mean, it was, it was kind of talked about, but it was really rare. You know, there was, there was a guy from my hometown who played drums for uh, Wilson Pickett and he was kind of like the guy, you know what I mean? Like right. he had done it. Mm-hmm. But then he was also kind of, you know, he he did it and he came back. You know what I mean? It was like, it, it wasn't like a lifelong thing for, you know. Yeah. Like you have here, you know, people just play music the rest of their lives. Um, but uh, it was it was interesting. It took my, I remember it took my mom five years to realize that what I was doing was like, you know. A legitimate. A legitimate thing. Source of. And such an asshole thing to do, but we compared paychecks to those ones. And then she goes, "Okay, I get it." <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> True story. I mean, it makes me such an asshole. But well, no. I mean, if your parents, <laughs> if your parents have parents that went through the depression, yeah, and the concept of work and how the music industry has changed and how economics has changed uh-huh. and everything like that. I mean, we all get a bit of pushback and concern from our because our parents love us. Or hopefully they they do. We think so. Um, that their their first concern is like, wait a minute, music. But I find it interesting because you come from a family where it is about music. Yeah, it's funny. They're, I mean, they're they're all about music, but it was just like, and it was you know there were dreams of like, oh man, this be cool, so cool. Mm-hmm. But you know, my family, you know, like a lot of people, they start start having kids early, they get married earlier, mm-hmm. they settle down. So the idea of your dream would be. You know, be weekend warriors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know how you, that's when you come out. You know, you see the guy that's got the really nice DW kit with the double bass and all that stuff. Yeah, he he gets that kit because that's his. He plays Friday, Saturday. That's his. That's his glory moment, and that's what he wants to play. Blah blah. blah. So you know, you, you know that was kind of it. You know, we yeah, would, right. I, I kind of became a gearhead early on because kind of thought that's what my life was going to be. Uh-huh. You know, working somewhere, not sure where. Right. Maybe I wanted to be a school teacher. I wanted to be a mortician at one time. I had all kinds of <laughs> strange, you know, ideas about what I wanted to do. Uh, but with, you know, with that being said, it was like once. I got to Nashville and realized it was more of a reality. And I talked to people. Like, I knew the Wooten Brothers before I moved here. And some other people. J.D. Blair was huge in helping me out here. Uh, in Tyrone's band, he had a bass player named Vic Danger. Victor Simon. And Victor used to play for Al, uh, Al Jerome. For, uh-oh, forget the guy's name. No, man. It's horrible. Al Green? No. Harry, Harry Belfonte. Oh, wow. There we go. Uh, and so Vic was the guy that really was like, dude, you can do this. Like you can, you can, is this after you had moved to Nashville? After, yeah. Cause I was playing, he was a bass player in Tyrone's band. I was playing with Tyrone Smith and he was a bass player and he, he was kind of the guy pushing me going, man, you can, you can do this, man. You can. And Tyrone Smith was the guy that you played with in Athens when you came back early. I don't know if we missed that part yeah, of the story. So, but- yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. So strange. So I was telling the story about how. I was in California playing with a band, just doing a little tour. Had to come home early because I had my, grand, my great-grandfather died. My dad's friends had a band coming into Nashville. They had to leave the drummer. He asked my dad if I wanted to still play drums. It was that night you went and played a four-hour frat gig, 
And then he said, move to Nashville. Move to Nashville. And that was Tyrone. Yeah, Tyrone Smith. Super T. Yeah. Okay. And so the bass player in that band was the guy, the Danger. Okay. Uh, great bass player. Amazing bass player. He passed away last year. I think last year, year before last, but mm-hmm. super, super cool dude. Nice. But so when I first moved to Nashville, I used to crash on this couch huh. because I was still in college. So I would go to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night. I would leave. Uh, West Georgia drive to Nashville yeah Vic and I would go see the Wooten Brothers play oh wow and then we would go get on the bus and go wherever or the next day we would get drive you know yeah that was kind of how we rolled and uh, it was fun I spent so much time just talking to that dude about stuff about music about you know all kinds of just craziness and dreams and stuff like that and he's kind of he was the guy that pushed me so when I ended up getting the Wade Hayes McHayes thing. I called him first. I was like, man, what do you think? He goes, you got to do it, man. You mm-hmm. can't play in this, yeah. you know, can't play in this cover band forever. You know, mm-hmm. you should be playing drums. And so I want to be a tech maybe. Oh, no, man. You need, you know, so that's what we did. So that's. I just find it fascinating because you, you've done, you've done so many different things and, and you've had success in town and you continue to build upon what you've done over the years. As long as I've known you, it seems like, I mean, we all have ups and downs, but I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people in town who know who you are, in Nashville know who you are, and, and you've, you're working with some really good uh, people and it's like you, you continue to add on, but it's, I just find it fascinating that early on you needed that confirmation from people constantly say, no, you're good. You should do this. Why why do you think that you needed that? I mean, was it, uh, you don't seem like you lack confidence, but did did you lack confidence? Oh, very much. Oh, and I still do. It's really weird, man. Like it's it's hilarious, but yeah, that was kind of the thing. I didn't, you know, it was like, I guess because of where I'm from, you know, it's like there were great players all the time. And and I also wasn't like, you know, a lot of people move to Nashville. They are the best where they come from. And they move into Nashville. You're the big with, fish in the small pond. Yeah. You come to Nashville, a place like Nashville. Exactly. And, and then all of a sudden you're just a normal dude, but you see, you still have that confidence level because, you know, like basically your ignorance helps you in some ways because you're able to go in and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this town by storm. I'm going to blow up. I didn't have that because I wasn't a big fish in a small pond. I was, mm-hmm. you know, a goldfish in an ocean mm-hmm. because Athens, Georgia, there's so many great players. And I wish to go out and see that. Yeah. And be like, oh man, these guys are great. Well, I experienced the same thing in Columbus. They yeah. sick players in Columbus. That, yeah, you know. So, but still, being a smaller town, you know, I was a small fish in a big pond. Now I'm a smaller fish <laughs> yeah. in a bigger pond. I feel that same way, man. You know, I mean, I, I love Nashville. It's been great to be able to work here. Yeah. But I see people, you know, the fun thing about my years of being in Nashville is the people that I looked up to mm-hmm. Chris McHugh, Eddie Bayers. Shannon Forrest, you know, Greg Morrow, uh, Chad Cromwell, all those dudes. And, you know, there's a guy in town now near Z. I've known near for, for ages, you know. Uh, Kevin Murphy, you know, Travis McNabb and all those guys. Who I, I kind of grew up kind of idolizing a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because they were a modern drummer. You know, yeah. not, maybe not a whole lot, but, you know, and but you knew who those guys were. Some of those guys, not enough. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But you knew who those dudes were, and it's funny because, like, now they're like your buddies, you know what I mean? Like, we went from being your heroes to, like, your homeboys in some way. You know, not saying that me and Eddie Bear is, like, super tight or whatever, but it's, like, yeah. the the realistic thing is that I can, I can now go to the grocery store and maybe run to Eddie Bear's 
and he's like, "Hey, Q, how's it going?" Or you know, or you, you know, or I hit him, Q, I'm like, "Dude, let's go have some coffee or whoever," and like, and they text you back, or they call you back, you know, you know what I mean? Or just a simple fact that you have the number, you know. So it's so for me, knowing that those dudes were in town, and knowing their talent level, and knowing where I think my talent level was, I definitely was like, uh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if I can do this. Yeah. But the one thing I learned about Nashville and the music business is it's about relationships. And, you know, if you're a cool dude, people are going to hire you. Yeah. You can be an amazing drummer. If you're a dick, nobody will hire you. Yeah. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Like, you know, nobody wants to be around you. And that's like, I think that was the one thing I think I have going, you know, for myself is that I think people like to be you know I, I think I'm a pretty fun loving guy like yes you're I mean, easy to travel with easy yeah, to work with yeah I'm not you know I'm not super opinionated about things but even though I might be but I don't have an opinion about everything or I don't feel the need to voice my opinion about every little thing I pick and choose my battles right you know and then on the musical thing you know the fun thing about playing with Rodney was that you're hired to be you yeah you're not hired to be the guy on the record which is awesome are you doing gigs like that, or say, just take this year for example that we talked about before, yeah. where you have to be the guy on the record? You know, the fun thing, Stony, no, because there's two drummers okay. <laughs> on the record, yeah. so that was cool. Didn't have to be the guy on the record. Chad, I was the guy on the record because I played right. drums on it. Rodney wasn't the guy on the record, but he knows my plan and he likes it, so he wants you. He wants me to live. interpret the music uh-huh. how, you know how how I do it, which I thought was cool. And then with Jake, the first time I subbed with Jake, I really tried to do what Myron was doing. But me and Myron are two different dudes, like, mm-hmm. completely. And Myron does Myron very well. And Myron I, is the live is, drummer? He's the live drummer, yeah. Yeah, for Jake Owen. For Jake. And he doesn't play everything like the record, you know. Right. But he's been Jake's only drummer his entire career. Yeah. And so... So that's what Jake is comfortable That's what Jake is comfortable And I, and I think that's the reason why people want... But they want you to play like the drummer on the record because that's what they know. That's exactly. what they sing along with. That's uh-huh. that's their identity. Exactly. You know. Yeah. But you know, for Jake, his thing was he's been playing Myron for ages, and Myron didn't play anything like the stuff on the record. Yeah. But they had that trust thing. They're buddies, mm-hmm. and it's about trust. We, Trey, uh, Trey Hill and I, guitar player with Big and Rich, we were talking the other day, and we're like, to be hired as a professional musician, the first thing, the thing that people pay you for or that makes you a, a valuable person is trust mm-hmm. they trust you with their career they trust right. you with you know being a cool dude they trust you with bringing it every night they trust you with not bringing craziness on the road you know mm-hmm. or maybe some but you know not not too much they also trust you to you know be cool you know That's and not right. you know not air dirty laundry if you're mad you know if you're mad at this person well, for whatever reason, you're not going to go home and talk about it in Nashville. Hopefully, you're going to be a man and go to the guy that you have a beef with and be like, hey, man, we need to figure this out. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because yeah, nobody you have to live to, together. You have to live friend. together, yeah. Nobody wants to hear that, you know, the other way around. So, and that's what, you know, and Myron has that thing with Jake. So, the first time, I guess the first time I subbed it, it's very interesting because they didn't play to a click or anything. Myron would just count the songs off and they would play. Yeah. And it was funny because it was like three shows opening for Chesney. And the we got to rehearse, but they didn't play to a click. And 
<laughs> he was saying, yeah, man, this song is between like 70 and 77. Just pick one. <laughs> You're like, uh-uh. My brain don't work that way, you know? <laughs> uh, but nobody, but the, you know, nobody in the band cared, you know? You can just pick one, just play it. If it's right, too right. fast, it's too fast, you know, whatever, right? But we ended up working out where we actually getting, we got working tempos so they could be consistent every night just for me. The next time I, I got to do it. Now you, did you play to a click? Did you use a click for yourself? I did. Yeah. Um, because I needed, I, I mean, I was, I wasn't so, I wasn't like super familiar with the songs. And once again, that whole like confidence thing, you know, mm-hmm. once we're, once we're in the song, daddy's good. Getting to the song, sometimes daddy not so good. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because you, you know, did you, once you got started, did you just shut it off and just play or? If, if it was cool, yeah. Um, or, you know, sometimes you start, if everybody's gelling, you don't care if it's all or not. You're just there, you know. Right, It's right, cool. Right. But, you know, there were couples, because they have been playing with Myra, and, and, some, and actually the day before, like, they were playing with Myra, and then the next day, I'm there. And you were there. And so, you know, you, they you know they would rush or slow things down, and I just go with the singer. You know, like, I noticed everybody goes, oh, man, I'm the drummer. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Right, right. <laughs> you know? well, every gig is different, you know? but, uh, yeah, and, you know? and you're approaching this... And there's and it's you think the skill that it takes to play along with a click and make it feel good is definitely a challenge yeah. in itself. But I think it's you need to address the fact that coming in to a gig with no click, yeah, and being able to move with the band that's used to a certain drummer, that is a whole different. It's a whole thing, yeah, I mean, yeah, too. And, yeah. And Rodney's gig was like that. You know, there's no clicks on that on Rodney's gig. You just play. Yeah, he starts everything up. That's not even a set list. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. when I got that gig, you had to learn 30 years worth of music. And then I was on a plane the next day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you got the gig. Here you go. See you tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's that, you know. Um, but go back to the Jake thing. So the second time, I, third time I did it, uh, I just didn't care. I just said, you know what? I know it sounds horrible, but I was like, they need me to come play, come play drums because I know the songs. We all we're all cool. Everybody's happy. Um, so I'm just gonna play them the way that I play. Yeah. And I'm not gonna try to be Myron. I'm not gonna try to hit as hard as Myron. I'm not gonna try to any. I'm just gonna go approach the gig as if I was the said drummer because at this point I am the drummer. You know what I mean? So right, I'm gonna, exactly. And so and what happened? What happened? It was great. They were everybody was happy. Yeah. I just yeah. you know. Uh, what made you decide to do that? Like, I can't, I'm not going to try and be this. I'm going to be me. You know, it, it, it went back to the Rodney thing. Yeah. Uh, it went back to, you know, he, he and I having conversations about me being me and me not being someone else or me not trying to be someone else. It's mm-hmm. like, you got to be you. Do you. You are you. Right. You know, um, we were talking about, it came, we were talking about studio, studio musicians and we were talking about Greg Morrow and Eddie Bayers and those guys are like, why do those guys get called for stuff? I mean, yeah. they're great, right? Right. But they all do something very distinct and very different. That's true. And they are who they are. Yes. They don't get the phone call because they play drums. They get the phone call because they play a certain way. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. If you want a traditional country record, you're going to call it Eddie Bayers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you want the four on the floor, crash on two... You're gonna call Chris McHugh. You know what I mean? Yes. If you want that Southern Rock vibe, you got Greg Morrow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and then if you want that pop country thing, you're gonna you're gonna call you know Shannon Forrest or Near Z or mm-hmm. you know 
whoever, you know, if you want that really rocking thing, you call Moss McPherson now. You know what I mean? And it's like all those dudes have a voice, so to speak. Yes. It's very unique. Yes. And we look up to them. Yeah. You know, as drummers, you, you know, especially in Nashville, the studio drummer is looked up to as a as, you know, a hero, a god yeah. of some sort. You know what I mean? Yeah, because right. everybody wants you had everybody had to learn those parts. Yes, you know what yes, I mean. Yeah, that was a deal. So, mm-hmm. but learning that those guys are there because they do that thing, they do their thing, and they've yeah. made a career out of being who they are. Yeah, it makes you go, I want to do that. It's encouraging, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. It's it's, it's a it's a it's a dose of reality that that there's so many times that we get a dose of reality and it's frightening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait. but sometimes it unravels the mystery that we carry with us, especially as young players. And, and we come oh, in and we're like, oh man, how do we, how do you do that? How do you obtain that? And that seems so unattainable, but that seems to be a common theme throughout a lot of these uh, conversations yeah. we have is that um, people doing what they do and being hired or not hired. And I'm going to sound like a broken record because I, I just, even today, talking to Mark Beckett, we uh-huh. talked about the same thing. Yeah. Where you do what you do best. And uh, when you try and interpret, well, and so, but, so that's been said. I want to go back to any gigs that you've done where you have to play the record. Maybe it wasn't this year, but, but can you think of another example where oh, yeah. they wanted it note for note, fill for fill? Little Big Talons that way. Okay. I played with them for a little bit. And um, that was one of the hardest gigs for me because I just I, I was doing the Rodney thing, which is very free, and you go to this thing where it wasn't so free. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, there are great parts that, and the stuff they wanted to have, and they want a certain feel and all that. And man, I just I couldn't provide it for. Them. Hmm. You know what I mean? And it was totally cool. Like when it ended, everybody was happy. Like I still talked to them. They still talked to me. Was, yeah. You know, they're super nice people. They're cool people. Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody's cool, but it was that thing where it's like, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And you know, that was, in the, I got really frustrated knowing that I couldn't do it hmm. because at that point in time, everybody I worked with had liked me or liked my drumming or tolerated my drumming. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they liked it, but it wasn't what they, what they wanted, what they needed. Or what they were used to. Right. And it was totally cool, you know? And yeah, and it was kind of after that thing where I had that conversation with Rodney, you know, about about the whole thing, and yeah. he was like, "Man, you just gotta, it's gonna be you, man. That's it's okay." And and it was, yeah. it was really like oh, okay, yeah, you know. And I think I can't remember what came after that. What came next after that? Uh, I think it was. I don't know. I think I went back out with Halfway to Hazard or somebody for a little bit and approached that gig. I'd always kind of approach that gig as playing whatever I want to play anyway. So mm-hmm. we, we never cool with it. So I went back out and did that and really got to know me and get and start to trust myself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Rodney called me back, start to trust myself a bit more about that. So the big and rich, I mean, not the big and rich, but the um, little big town thing, uh, you know, relationships weren't destroyed and you know, no, anything no. like that. It was, it was amicable no, it was cool, at the man. end. It was all good. But it sounds like there was a bit of a personal setback where you kind of were questioning yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, maybe it, had a chance to reset. Yeah. Well, it, it, the funny thing is I've always kind of questioned myself. I'm <laughs> you know sure I mean? we all you know, do. And it's like, you know, just coming to Nashville in general, you know, yeah, and meeting yeah, people yeah. and wanting to, you know, chase this crazy dream was like, ah, man, mm-hmm. okay. 
I, I think I'm dumb enough to do it. You know what I mean? It was right, like, and right. it's kind of that, you know, right. that thing. And it's like, all right, well, and it was funny because, you know, I never got, I only got three gigs from auditions. The Rodney gig was one. Well, I guess not more than that. I guess Big Rich was one. Rodney gig, Little Big Town, and National Star. And two of those, I got let go from, you know. And I was like, man, auditions are, you know. Mm-hmm. And early on, I like auditioned for Gretchen Wilson and a few other people, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody else did. I uh, Montgomery Gentry and a bunch of other people. I never got those gigs. And it was funny because that's kind of how I started approaching. I was, And I was trying to be the other guy on a lot of those gigs. And all the gigs that I got, I, you know, from auditions or whatever, it was just me being me, you know. Yes, yeah. Uh, John Mitch was really funny the other day. He said to me, he goes, you know, you got this gig, man, because you're a musical drummer. And I was like, cool, thanks. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, also you're playing very, very, you know, you're bashing away the entire time, but that was his thing. He was like, man, he goes, you listen. He goes, that's a very strong thing. That's a good quality to have. Mm-hmm. Rodney said the same thing. And it actually came from working with Rodney because there was no clicks in the set list. Yeah. Sometimes he played songs you didn't know and you still had mm-hmm. to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also went back to being a kid playing with my dad and my grandfather at church where people didn't have great timing and they would like skip, they'd be singing and all of a sudden the one has changed. And <laughs> you know, you can't be like, oh, it's right here, it's right here. Right, you know, right, you just right. gotta go. With your click and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you just, right, have, to, you just have to reset it. You know, even, yeah. you know, even going out with, with Jake, you know, they use some tracks and stuff and other people, I just can't sing on him, but other people too, where the, it, you know, God knows something might be going on and you, and they miss a cue mm-hmm. and they come in a weird place and so you just gotta kill the tracks and you gotta keep going. Yeah. But the whole deal is, you have to be able to recover. Yeah, most right, people, right, right. most people can play a song start to finish, no problem. Not everybody can recover when something goes different without anybody knowing, without, without anybody the audience knowing, knowing especially. Or, yeah. And that's what you. And that's, I think that became my strong point and became yeah. who I am as a mm-hmm. live player. Mm-hmm. That I can, mm-hmm. if something goes different, I can go with the flow. If you, can you know. Recover. Yeah, you know, say we're playing whatever song. I don't know. I'll just pick one. I'll say, say we're playing Lost in This Moment. I think it's 75 or 76 BPM. I can't tell. I can't remember what it is. But say the band is filling it on top and everybody's pushing. Well, can turn it off. I'm going to go with the band because no one's complaining about that. Because mm-hmm. musically, mm-hmm. it still feels good yeah. and it's not too fast. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And then sometimes if the band goes ahead, I can go ahead with them. And then kind of bring it back, and then I can click again. Mm-hmm. And if we're there, click stays on. If we're not, goes back off, and we keep playing. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, cause yeah. the audience doesn't like care. That. You know, the audience doesn't exactly. care if it's exactly. you know seventy five BPM. They want to hear the guy sing his favorite words, and if it's too fast, they can't hear him. If it's too slow, it sounds like you know when you're when you're or whatever, right, you know? and you're supporting the band, you're playing yeah. a supportive role as a drummer. Yeah, when you are driving the bus, yeah, as it were. But at the same time, if you're doing that solely, and I'm totally guilty of having the click and feeling like the band is pushing and pulling, and I'm like, guys, this is where it is. And everybody has a different yeah. approach. And I know drummers that, I know, I, and in some gigs you have to do that. Some gigs require you to do that. Yeah. Some gigs are like. We don't care what happens, just blah, blah, blah. You know, on the current situation, we've never even talked about it. I mean, this if they ever hear this, it'll be the first time they probably ever hear about it. But it just needs to be comfortable. That It's that trust thing, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. They just need to be able to trust that 
the guy playing drums isn't going to crash and burn, even though I've definitely almost done that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, no, I think it's really important. Like, if yeah, if the band has a, a systemic problem where it just keeps happening and they can't play along with you, or they don't, and they don't have the click, a lot yeah. of times we're the only ones that have the totally. click. Then yeah, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. But I'm talking about like for me personally, like maybe one or two songs where, or maybe one night out of you know, uh, yeah. that, that it's just like I'm struggling with somebody in the band or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and I want to just stay on, on yeah. task. I need to think about what is going on here for real. We're making yeah. music, and and I'm playing a supporting role. So if the singer wants to sing a little bit more on top, or the fiddle player is playing back. I just need to shut it off. Yeah. And play with them. Everybody's smiling. Even the people in the band don't even know what I did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's. That. And, and the other side of it is say you, you know, say there's a drummer like Big and Rich. They've had some fantastic drummers. You know, mm-hmm. Brian Burnett, who played amazing. Larry Babb, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Lester Estelle, um, Travis McNabb, Kevin Murphy did it for a little bit, you know. I came in after Travis McNabb did, you know, and Travis is a great drummer, great rock drummer, has that really cool, like, New Orleans swing to it, but mm-hmm. he used to be in the band Better Than Ezra, and he oh, played with cool. Sugarland for a long, you know, through their career. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I came in right after that, you know, mm-hmm. and Travis and I, we feel different. Yeah. And so, when we did said rehearsal, uh, when I started the gig, we played, did one rehearsal, John and Kenny weren't there. Yeah. You know, it's just a band. And, you know, and being that we're all musicians, you know, we all just kind of played and we were in one room and mm-hmm. we were getting the feel of it. But then when John and Kenny came and, and Troy, the energy level was different. It was great and it was happening. And realized that those guys run the show. Mm-hmm. I'm just there. I'm here to mm-hmm. accent things when they need to accent and keep it rocking. Yeah. But yeah. they, you know, if. John is ahead or Kenny is ahead or behind or whatever or, mm-hmm. or say ahead which is relative you know if they are feeling it at a certain spot that's where I'm going to go yeah and so we ended up bumping up Saving Horse Ride a Cowboy with Travis they played at 103 we played at 104 now because they consistently were on top and I wanted to play the, I wanted to play the song to a click didn't have to but mm-hmm. I wanted to so I was like what if I bump it up one bump it up ah it's where they want to play it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, sure. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. This is this yeah. is they were feeling it at 104, even though the tempo was 103 or the tempo that I got was 103, and with the band, it felt cool at 103 yeah. because you know we were all sitting in a room with no energy. You know, it was oh, no energy. Cool. We're all right, sitting in a room, right. you know. But once you got on stage, it was like with everybody bringing what they're bringing. Yes, you had to bump it up one. And ironically, the name of the band. Is the name of the two singers, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, exactly. the guys that are running the show exactly. that are signing your essentially signing your paycheck. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and it just yeah. it, that was what That's I did. Right. Nobody said, "Oh, I think you spoke to one." I was just like, "Man, this feels like they just want to play it at one hundred and four. Yeah, so I'm going to start this at one hundred and four. Yeah, you know, um, we do coming to your city is the first song, which I think is one hundred and two, but John counts it off. He doesn't. He doesn't have click. So we so the band starts, we play a thing and then diamond blah 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 right, and then he comes out and he goes one two three and counts on. Well, he always counts off faster than one hundred two because mm-hmm. he has just, he doesn't have a click and we don't play that song to a click because he counts it off. It's, it makes sense, right? So 
I just kind of being a nerd mm-hmm. uh, tried to figure out where he was consistently counting the song off at, mm-hmm. which was one hundred four, one hundred five. Yeah, right. Which is fairly faster, but it's fine, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I just so I have one click that's one hundred two. Actually, now it's one hundred three. I bumped it up to one hundred three. So we do. I think it's one hundred three. Anyway, so we play the the intro thing. Mm-hmm. Trash can. I turn it off. Go to one hundred five. So when he counts the song off, mm-hmm. it's gonna be one hundred four, one hundred five, right? Yeah. One, two, three, boom, da da, click. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. We're here, or we're not here. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, and sure. it's, and I don't have to do it. I just do it to make sure that we don't take off because yeah. the energy is happening. It could, and that's one of those songs where if it gets too fast, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. get your words in. You know? So did they say this gig is a clip? No, the, no, no. <laughs> no. Like, yeah. And were the guys before you playing with a click? They, yeah, you know? I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, okay. I know Bab was. I don't think Brian did. I don't think you know. Okay. Even he put on the records. You know, they were, but they were all those guys were so rock solid. You know, I don't know if Lester even did it. You know, he may have. Um, there's a DJ in the band, so because we have a DJ, and he will drop samples and loops every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I played to a click. Yes. So that when he drops stuff in, it's it's, it's in time. Yes, yes. You know, um, and then it's, and then I tell him the songs that I'm not playing to the click, so that he doesn't do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, you know, he's oh yeah, I think I'll put this shaker in. Whoa, what's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me and for him, and because he and I've kind of had to chat about it. Yes, we there, there are certain songs that I do play to a click, which is most of them. Yeah, uh, that I count off. Mostly try to keep it consistent. Yeah, and then the other thing is that he's he is firing some loops and samples, which I don't hear always because they kind of vary. They vary in volume, so some of them I hear, some of them I don't hear. Yeah, you know, but I can't have you know we can't just ride his deal in my ear on it. So he just has. I just have to trust that he's dropping the samples at the right time. Right, right. And it's happening. When it does, it does. I mean, I know you said you're. Uh, I don't know. What you said you said you're a geek about it or something. Yeah. About, but I mean, at the same time. I, I think that it's not like your employer needs to know every little thing that you do to accomplish your job. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he probably doesn't know that your 20 inch gong tom is 11 inch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, uh, so if he, if they don't care if you're using a click or not, but you are to keep the song, because these are like, this is the tools that you're using to like I'll make be, them comfortable. I want to keep that. I want to be comfortable. I want to keep the job. Comfort right. and trust keeps people usually working. Yeah, but I like that. But the overall thing of what you're saying is like you're just making them comfortable. You're supporting them. You're being there for them. But you're letting them run the show. Yeah. You know, I know the whole thing. Oh, no, the drummer's about... But you, you also... There is a give and take thing. There's a give and take, and Sometimes yeah. it's a... Um, uh, I don't know what, what you call it. A smoke and mirrors kind of thing. Yeah. Where you... The, the singer, the, they kind of... You give them the impression that they're in charge. Yeah, yeah. But you are holding down the foundation. But if you need to give a little bit to let them oh, feel yeah. more comfortable, that's a good That's a good thing. And I, I don't know. I mean, there are, like I said, there are drummers that don't, they're, they're, they, here's the click. And yeah. yeah. Or here's where I'm at. Uh-huh. Everybody has to follow yeah. me. But um, at the same time, um, I just, I have a tendency to, to put a lot of stock in, in your words if just merely the fact the variety of people that you've worked with and the, and the, and the trust that they put into you and, and Rodney crowd putting trust in you for the last 10 years. Yeah. 
That speaks volumes, man. The guy is a monster. It's pretty he's cool. A, yeah. <laughs> he's a great musician. And, um, I mean, we all struggle with our confidence. So I, I would hope that uh, Rodney Crowell calling you for 10 years straight was in, isn't giving you an insane amount of confidence. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's, I, I guess it's there. I just don't talk about it. I don't think about it. I sure. go play drums. Yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I was sounds so stupid, man. But I was like, Okay, you know, and well, right. You don't need to overanalyze. Yeah, I just go. You know, it's yeah. well. You know, if someone's like, "Oh man, I, I hear you're a great drummer," I go, "Well, I play drums." I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. You know what I mean? Or you know, not saying that I hear that all the time. Almost too much. No joking. Uh, <laughs> but no, you know. But it's like it's a really funny thing because it's like there's when people do put you know instill their trust in you, it does provide confidence. You know, like yeah. I got to work with Richard Marks, who was like one of my heroes as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I just a big MTV kid, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's really funny that all the drummers that basically auditioned for that gig to be the second drummer is it really great. He had two bands one year. One band, they were doing TV stuff and working with other people, and he had dates, so he needed another group of guys. He needed basically sub, sub, subs, is what he needed. Oh, wow. And he needed a band of subs. They called the X yeah. amount of gigs, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And it was a unit that worked together, unit that worked together. He liked both. So okay. Was, you know what I mean? Like, And then every now and then, if the, the drummer couldn't do it, everybody else in the band could do it, I would go put drums or whatever. Like, you know, it, it was, it was okay, yeah, sure. you know, it just uh-huh. kind of sure. kind of happened. But that was fun because I would basically showed up and I played the gig. It was fun. But I remember the other guys that were auditioning for that spot and they were monster drummers. Hmm. And I and it's what you know, like I said earlier. I walked in, shook his hand, and I asked him the the question. I go, "The drum fill on don't mean nothing. What the hell? What is that?" Yeah. And he was like, "Oh man, it's one, two, which I didn't know. I go, "Oh cool, thanks." Uh, <laughs> and he was like, "You're the first person to ask what it is because everybody else has just kind of played it and we've kind of fallen into it, but you're the first person to go, "Oh, what is that?" Oh wow! And because I mean, I was I was very curious. Like, what is that? You know? Yeah. And there, there it is. And so we played. I'm gonna listen. To, I'm gonna listen to that. What is it? It's Richard Marx's yeah, song. Yeah. Don't uh, mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. nothing. I'll play. I'll play for you after this. It's okay. Funny. Uh, but you know, I think it was, at the audition, I just asked him. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, we played some other tunes that they had played because we get we had board tapes and stuff. Yeah. Any and it was like it was a seven song audition. You know, it was oh, like wow. That's, pretty. Because it was only three other, it was three groups of people coming in to, to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Victor Broden was playing bass. He was a monster. Uh, I forget who the other guys were. You know, the guitar player was the same for both. Okay. Deal, but um, and we just we all just kind of communicated. Like it was the the audition was more of like a rehearsal. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. So we played some things a couple times. Yeah. Not because they were not because they were. Sometimes wrong, auditions but, you get two, three yeah. songs maybe, and then. You get one chance, and sometimes they don't even go through the whole song. Exactly. They say yeah. thank you, and that's it. That, yeah, that and we and we kind of got to go through things a couple times just to like, you know, oh hey, what if this? What if that? You know, he was like, hey, what about this? What if you know? Mm-hmm. And if you had, you know, and I would, you know, if you got questions about something, I say ask people. You know, yeah. I think people would respect the fact that you go, hey man, what is you know, mm-hmm. what is that intro exactly. or. 
Yeah. You know, what is this? You know, how do you want this? Do you mind? Can I do this? Can I do? Yeah, this? yeah. But you know, yeah, sure. how, how do you normally start this? I know yeah. that you, I have a record version of this. Well, how do you guys do it live? How do you yes. start? Live? Or even sometimes you go, what's the live tempo? Yeah. You know, I remember yeah. I auditioned for somebody and I had the record tempos, and they played them like way faster. Yeah. Than, yeah. And then than the record, and I was like, uh, so you guys play this at record tempo or, or live yeah and the bass was like oh yeah man okay yeah, yeah. it's I got them right here man here the, here the, here the live tempo oh sure thanks you know what all I mean? you had to do was ask yeah as opposed to this is the tempo and then they're all like man that guy just he drags or he's, yeah you know he, he doesn't know how to and it's like they don't know that you yeah. could have asked and, and I, yeah because I think a big thing is communicate I mean I think on a gig communication can mm-hmm. you communicate with people not you know, not ask stupid questions like, "Hey guys, what times?" You know, but if you're going to a situation, if you're going to an audition situation, you generally and genuinely have a question mm-hmm. that you don't that you think would make the process go easy for everybody. Yes, and it's not even like being a matter of you getting a gig or not, but just a matter of you playing with the band well. You know, yeah. you just, yeah. hey man, what do you think about this? And if they don't like that, if they don't like someone who's going to ask them a legit questions so that everybody can sound better and you may not you may not want to be on that gig mm-hmm. you know I mean I remember auditioning for Lee Bryce and it was fun we had four songs you know to play and then I remember I know uh, for some reason I had oh, I'd seen them play a few times okay. and it kind of sort of like had the songs in my head yeah. and they're like that was fun you want to play anything else I was like what do you guys want to play yeah. And we did. We played like six more songs. So we waited the next guy to come in. And we had a blast. I didn't get the gig, but we all had fun and we yeah. all better buddies, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, not because of that one thing, but it was just it was just fun and also when you do that, sometimes they go, Well, if we need somebody, right. we could probably call this guy. Right. You know, on that gig right. they have two actually great drummers, they have Mike and Donnie, so if Mike if Donnie could do it, of course Mike would go play drums, but okay. you know, but it's fun but it's like Making the audition process fun for yourself. Mm, right. It's a. It's not a. It's not a contest. It's a job interview. Yeah. yeah. If that makes any sense, you know, like. Right. It's more than just just yeah. the playing. They're 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 sizing you up because they got to spend time in the tour bus with you. Exactly. Yeah. Process. You know. Sure. And it's for me. It's you don't win or lose. You always you know I go oh, you win or you win right because. You couldn't have gotten a phone call at all to go audition. Oh, I know, right? You know, and so you get the call, you go in, you yeah. do the, you do the best you can do. Yeah. And as long as you did the best, doesn't matter. Yeah. Because that means the other guy who got the gig that you didn't, you, you, you know, you didn't get the, you gave, the other guy got it. That means he did his best, and his best was great too. And they yeah. just, they just enjoyed what he did better, or right. they liked his look, or they liked, you know, yeah. his snare drum, or. Sure. He told a stick, or he just you flat can't out. take it personally. No, I, well, and there's a situation where I had kind of an audition slash rehearsal with an artist, and uh, the band leader was waiting for his buddy to see if he was available for the tour. Uh-huh. And so everybody else that was auditioning that day got the gig. I didn't get the gig. I was, I was just so bummed. I was yeah, like, yeah, man, what the. And they're like, yeah, they, he was waiting for his friend, but I don't know. It's probably BS. I yeah. don't know. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, well, the next year when they went back out again, they're like, hey, so my buddy who normally does, normally works with us can't do it, but you did such a great job. We want you this year. And I'm like, oh, he was telling me the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and I, they're like, yeah, you're on, you're on this tour if you want to do it. And yeah. I was like, oh, 
Okay, I, that's that's great. And that's the thing, man. You walk away, you walk away from it. You shake hands. You be a cool dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You be a you know just be you. You know, just like, well, man, that was fun. I had as a good long time. as you're cool, be you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not cool being me. Uh, but you know, it's just it's that thing that you you go in, you play, have a good time. Yeah, you leave. I remember doing the Kelly Clarkson audition. And the best part about that was all the guys that auditioned were all buddies. And we were all rooting for each other. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nobody was upset that Mm. the other person got the gig. We were like, Mm. yes, you got the gig. Coffee's on you. This is great. We all actually hung out afterwards. Nice. You know, it was like, and then, and I want to cover a couple things uh, before our time is out. But one of the things that, that this, kind of spills into is you seem to have a, a real social network of drummers um, that uh, that I don't have as much that I want to and hopefully this, this will kind of help get back into that working at Forks uh, when I did that years ago was a good way for me to get to oh, know yeah, the yeah. community um, but you always seem to have had a good um, rapport with so many different players in town and is there how have you felt how has that been a benefit to you over time? I mean, obviously, the audition process in that particular circumstance, you were like supporting each other. There was probably a certain amount of pressure that was taking off, taken off because yeah, you know, yeah, it was fun. You know, it was like yeah. it was great. But you know, I think my little social thing came from just my being a nerd and wanting knowledge, mm-hmm. um, and you know. I don't really have, you know, it's just me, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, mean I, have, I have little Ava, but she lives in Wisconsin with her mom, so when I'm in Nashville, I don't just, like, sit, I hate to sit around and do nothing, mm-hmm. so I go out, and I meet people, and, uh, and as we talked about earlier, I was a fan of so many of those great drummers, yeah. you know, before I met them, so yeah. when I would see they were playing in town, I would go see them play, mm-hmm. I'd be that stupid dude, like, hanging out afterwards, like... Hey man, you sounded great. Like, ah uh, man, you know, mm-hmm. I remember seeing Jack Cromwell play. I had no idea who he was, um, but he blew my mind. And I just, I just waited until he was done and walked up to him and said, "Hey man, my name's Keo. I just went to town. You're a great drummer. Yeah, want to hang out?" Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, man." Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's cool. And that's just kind of how it's yes, how it's gone. You know, through yeah. you know, just like want to hang out and grab coffee or you want to. You know, yeah. I it, you know it was never my my things that I wanted to get from them was just how to learn how to be a dude, how to be a guy, you know, how to be a person, how to have a family and be able to play music, how to mm-hmm. you know I didn't really want to know how to play the triplet patterns of blah 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 whatever, mm-hmm. you know I just enjoyed the idea of hanging out with people mm-hmm. and then being fun and being cool and, right, right you know I was trying to meet friends and this yeah. of course I was drawn to drummers first, uh-huh. you know, because I play drums, but I never was like, hey man, I just went to town, I really want to work, can you give me some work? I was, you know, I was, I'm not I'm not that guy, I've never been that dude, you know, yeah. so. No, and that's true, and that's a good distinction, because it, that doesn't seem to be, that doesn't, you don't come off that way. Yeah. There's yeah. just, there's a general, like, uh, social part of your personality uh, that that it's like, 
there's a camaraderie that you're trying to continue that connection with other drummers yeah, and, and, and within the music community because you enjoy it yeah. and as you as much as you enjoy playing as well and there's a there's a residual the benefit of having the support whether it's being offered work or being offered support or being offered you know anything just life things yeah. in general it's yeah. just fun I mean think yeah. about it man you play drums People, you get to pay your bills. Yeah, you can exactly. sleep in till noon if you want. I don't do that. I can't sleep till past like eight o'clock. But anyway, I'm surprised you texted me back that early. I was I was up six <laughs> <Wow>. thirty <laughs> every morning, man. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's really weird, bad. I hate it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, and, and, but you mentioned uh, you're here, and you have you have the freedom to 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 go out and do that. You have, but you have a daughter. I do, yeah, yeah. And how old is yeah. she now? She's almost eight. She's seven. Wow. And she's wow. new drummer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be a drummer. And how do you juggle that? And she doesn't live in Nashville. No, she lives know, in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anytime I have a length amount of time off, I just go hang out with her. Or if we're close, I'll change my flight or I'll book a flight. You know, like I was thinking about the earlier, I was like, oh man, you know, I went from playing with Big and Rich and the next day I was out with Jake. Well, truthfully, I had a day between. We were in, we played a gig in Minneapolis with Big and Rich. I had a day off. I went and saw my daughter, who lives an hour and a half away. We're in the car. Hung out with her. Then the next day, I flew to Canada and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Played with, and played with Jake. But it was like grabbing those 24 hours to hang out with her were awesome. you know. And so that's what I, I try to do. And, and it's, man, it was so funny. I was laughing at myself today. I remember being so incredibly broke. Still am, but really, really incredibly broke. More broke. More broke than I am now. But I remember being at that point where I couldn't have thought about affording, you know, buying a plane ticket or mm. renting a car or, you know, just like those things. Was, and, 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 you know, like um, for Christmas, I'm going to see Ava, and I was just like, man, it's really funny. I just booked a flight and didn't care. <laughs> you know, it was like, I just got a room And I didn't, you know, it was like, Oh, it's so it's well, whatever you know. It is is what it is, and it's funny how playing drums has allowed me to have that in my life now. Where yeah, you know, if I want to go do something and it makes sense to do it, go do it. Go it's, do it. Yeah, right. It's you know, it's it's really bizarre. You know, like well, having that flexibility, uh, and then it sounds like that the relationship. And with her mom and everything like that, that oh, you yeah. guys can yeah. work those things out. Yeah, no, Christina's great. She's like, I mean, she she affords me to be able to do what I do because she has Ava and I can do this yeah. and we can, you That's know, great. we have our thing. And it's it's a strange team, but it, it's winning, so to speak. Well, <laughs> you know, Ava is that yeah, Ava, thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, she did, I bet, then that love, she feels that, that you guys cooperate together to the point where it's she cool. feels that love yeah. because it's in her benefit. Yeah, that she's, happens. she's cool and yeah. she's funny she's spoiled you know she she's had we've had such a great this year it was so so fun um because the tv stuff and she's seven she goes to school wisconsin they like country music yeah so you know they you know after the acms thing which is a dream i've always wanted to do a tv show you know one of the award shows never done one before first time doing it and then getting to do it with Chris McHugh sitting next to you and oh, Steve Sinatra and you're playing with Keith Urban. It was you know, hilarious. Getting to do that. Uh, all, all of the kids at school thought that she was the coolest 
kid in the world. <laughs> just they just saw Ava's because I was I was just there yeah. the Friday before yeah. uh, for her birthday, and then like maybe a week or two late, two weeks later, I can't remember it was, but she went to school on Monday, and all her friends were like, "Your dad was on TV." <laughs> and she was like, "I know, <laughs> pretty cool." She's like, "Yeah, yeah. you know." She's like, "Where are you gonna be on TV again, Dad?" You know, and so yeah, you know, this yeah, this yeah. year has been funny because I would have never. I didn't have any idea. Soak it up this. now. Yeah. You never know, man. She's gonna end her teenage years. Oh, she's and... gonna hate me, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's just funny because like it's that whole thing has brought. You know, she gets to she gets to see dad on TV every now and then. Yeah. Now and funny. that is cool. She yeah. can, yeah. you know, meet. Hey, dad, you look cool. I like those silly glasses you're wearing, or nice jacket. Or you know, or yeah. do you care to keep playing that same song all the time on no, TV? All the time. <laughs> That's critical. So critical. <laughs> but yeah, but it's but yeah, that's been cool, and I I hope that you know in the next ten fifteen years is that or better. Yeah. Man. So that we can keep that right. thing happening. Yeah. I keep working. You know. I you know. It's it's a it's a very surreal thing at, at times. You know when you get. You know, I get a text message the other day from Booker T. Jones, yeah. from, and it was hilarious. He was like, I laughed. You know, I was just like, why is he texting me? You know what I mean? I, mean, I, I knew yeah. why he was texting me, but it was funny to be like, I had that guy's phone number. Yeah, phone. right. Like, he's a dude that's calling me for a gig. Wow, weird. You know, Yeah. that, it blows my mind, dude. Like, that is, it's, un, it's unbelievable, but, yeah, believable, but it's weird, you know, like, to have had... You know, fourteen, almost fourteen years of being Nashville, to have had a career where people just called you, right? Because they like you and they kind of like what you do, or right, exactly, or they really like what you do and they kind of. Then like once you're you. there, you, you, man, you're doing the job. You're like we've talked about all those things that you're doing to to hold on to the gig. Not just you've got your reputation, you've got you know, but you're gonna once you get there, you've got to deliver. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. What people are saying about you because not everybody in the band's going to know who you are, or if somebody recommends you for something else. You totally, can walk yeah. into into a group where you don't know anybody; they don't know you. You oh, have to prove yourself. Oh, I've done it, man. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I subbed the Jamie O'Neill gig. I met everybody at the airport. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, I remember subbing the Terry Clark gig, and I met Terry as we were going, going on stage. And it was like, yeah, you know, it yeah, was exactly. funny. It was like, you know, it was nothing against anybody. It was just, just how it. Just, Operated and rolled, and oh, you know. I know a friend of mine uh, recommended me to to play with Shadaisy one weekend, and uh, we're getting ready to go out on stage, or it was like a half hour before we're supposed to get ready, and yeah. it's like, um, would you mind if I met the girls before we go out? And like, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 come on the bus, they're on the bus, and they were really. They were really sweet, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I just want to say hi to them, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't even think about that." Of course, because yeah. otherwise, you know, you're just, yeah, you're they're, just, just they're, they're looking at you like, "Who are you?" But they're probably yeah, used it's, to that. It's, you know, any kind of situation. It's funny, but that's it's what's really strange, man. Like, what we do for a living has so many things to it. Yeah, you know that people don't see, they don't yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some people think, "Well, man, I'm going to learn this." Jason Aldean song, just like the record, and then I'm gonna go play it with Jason Aldean, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then you realize that Jason plays it nothing like the record, or he does, and it's but it's a weird something might be a little different here and there, and you go, oh, but he's not playing it like the record. Mm-hmm. Oh, should I change and do what I'm doing? You know, you know what I mean? Like 
people don't realize that that those things happen. Well, and I think that that's a skill set that to be able to interpret songs, to be able to interpret the part and play it and to play along with a click. I believe that that's a useful skill set. But at the same time, as you've proven, coming in with your personality and playing, and, and, and I think a way to develop a style of playing that people will want to have uh, surround them, or that they want a type, is the listening factor. Oh, and, and the that, fact that you've been told a couple times, you've got great ears, you're a great listener. And so maybe you don't have a certain distinct style that people gravitate towards. Yeah. Like when I hear Matt Chamberlain on a recording, I know it's him. Totally. I know it's him. I hear some of these things, signature things that it does, and it makes me super happy yeah, yeah. to hear it. Oh, totally. But at the same time, if you don't have that signature part of your playing, uh-huh. at the core of it, what makes you appealing is your listening skills. Yeah. So when a songwriter or a player or anybody or an artist wants to do something a certain way or speed or whatever, you're there. You're playing that role. You're playing a sporting role because you hear him totally. singing on top. You hear her yeah. changing the uh, length of the intro as it, yeah, she never yeah. did before. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know. As opposed to, nope, this is the way it goes. Well, and here's the, Well, it's funny. Know. I tell people all the time, I go, you're true instrument are your ears yeah yeah and the instrument that you physically play with your hands or your mouth whatever is how you express what you hear with your ears mm-hmm. you know what I mean so without I mean you can obviously you know you can go play play music that's written down but someone had to hear that before they wrote it down right you know what I mean so yeah when playing music be it country or whatever yeah I think that your true instrument is your ears and then how you express what you're hearing with your ears yeah. is your, you know, is through drums or guitar or singing or whatever. And you have to rely on your ears and your instincts. You know what right, I mean? Like, right, right. you know, in country music, you know, you know, they're in groups of fours. Every, you know, yeah, most yeah. the intro is going to be four or eight bars or two yeah. bars, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, most phrasing is going to be four and four, mm-hmm, four mm-hmm. and four. You know, right? Um, and then there is the four two. Four, you know what I mean, yeah, like exactly. you know, or there's, you know what I mean, but it's you kind of, you kind of know the formula, yeah, so you don't have yeah. to think about that so much. Um, so when playing a song with someone, especially say, you know, Roddy would pull out a song I've never heard before, yeah, and I'm like, man, oh shit, what are we gonna do, you know? And then we start playing, and I go, oh, of course, I kind of, I, I get the gist of this. And then when we're done, he's like, that was completely wrong, you know. I mean, he never said that, but you know. But you know what's, but, well, I know you're joking, but yeah. you know what's funny is there's been times where I've sat in with people where I play songs that I've never played before, and, uh, and you're like, that's probably the best I'm ever going to play that song, because you, you can't, like, it's so free. You're it's, like, I, I, I don't know this song, so I'm just going to let it go. Nothing and to lose. Sometimes it just, it magic happens lightning in a bottle where you're just like totally dude wow that was the best that was a especially when you understand basic song form yeah and that's pretty simple because non-musicians will say how do you know that how did you yeah, know yeah. that song like it's hard to well it isn't to us it's not hard to explain but yeah. but well i want to cover two quick things yeah. before we're done um did you um did you have any teachers along the way i mean growing up in a musical family was that it did that give that you the was tools? pretty much it i yeah. mean it was so I love Ricky Lawson. I think my favorite one of my favorite drummers, so Steve Jordan. But I remember watching uh Ricky Lawson 
play with Michael Jackson on TV. Yeah. Uh, and going, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like, you know, before internet, <laughs> so weird, mm -hmm, but yeah, so no. I, you know, I started to just kind of like, who is that guy? You know, yeah. oh, his name is blah, blah, blah. So I got into that. So I just kind of studied different players. You know what I mean? Like I was, were there books or videos or books like or videos that? or just, you know, didn't Ricky Lawson have a book out or something? Uh, I don't think he had a book, but he had, he had, he, I know he made some records and I have those okay, or I had those. Sure. Okay. Uh, but I can't, I think he made some sort of like VHS thing for mm -hmm. somebody back in the day. And I had that. Okay. Um, DCI. DCI. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, I just remember seeing him, uh, Bernard Purdy. Yeah, and stuff like that, and then Modern Drummer came along. So for me, it's, it was there before me, but I started to get into it. So what I started to do was, whoever was on the cover, uh, I would just go buy a CD that say they played on. Oh, okay. And kind of listen to it. Yeah. But no formal, no, yeah. no real lessons. I mean, when I got to college, uh, I had to take you know lessons for you know percussion lessons, but no drum, no drum set. Interesting lessons at all. Just okay. Basically, it was just asking people stupid questions. Hey, man, how you do that? Or what do you think about this? You know, or you know. But I, that that reinforces that that kind of hanging out. You know, communicating, getting. Uh, dude, yeah. I mean, uh, gosh, I just today uh, in between talking to Mark Beckett and us sitting down, um, I had some free time and I sat down on my kit today and I was messing around with something that Mark was telling me. Uh, that I was like. I love this. This is great. Oh. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Cool. And then the one, the last thing I want to ask you is, you have done double drumming uh, more so than I think anybody I've ever met in my <laughs> yeah. life. What's this? What's to explain that and explain how you approach this? It is okay. So double drumming is like rhythm guitar, lead guitar, right? Yeah. That's right. how I. That's okay. except for you, but you're with rhythm, right? Uh, depends on the song and definitely depends on the other drummer. With Stoney, his drummer was a guy named Jeremy Bryant and when Jeremy and I were doing it, Jeremy for a long time played the gig by himself. There were, before they did a Velvet record, there weren't two drummers. Yeah. So they were, you know, those songs have been worked up a certain way, even they recorded them a different way, they still played them that way, but they still had the two drum thing. So I would, I like the Allman Brothers, so I would listen to that stuff early on and like James Brown and stuff like that. Um, but the whole deal was not trying to be, uh, you want to be in sync with the guy, but you're not being exact, if that makes any sense. Mm, mm, okay. So, uh, Jeremy and I would, we would laugh, our kick drums, we first, first one, we, we had a conversation about it. Okay. Oh, hey man, what are you doing? So, do you, uh, you like to drink a couple drinks for the gig? Or, you know, yeah, no, right, or yeah. you, you know, you drink some Red Bull, you know, what's, you know, we're like, oh, no, you know, are you, oh, okay, okay, all right. And then we sat down at Soundcheck and we just jammed, yeah. And uh, and not to one of the songs, we just played, yeah. And then we both individually just kind of morphed into one drummer, if that makes any sense. We came, we worked into into a rhythm section, um, you know what I mean? Okay. And it was like, okay, from so, that jam session that that quickly, yeah. Okay. It was because it was because we had to play the gig that night, no rehearsal. Oh no. no. <laughs> Yeah. So, it wasn't months and months. And no, and it's like I flew in right there, and there I was. And this yeah. is another one. I just flew in, and there I was. Uh, so we just at soundcheck. We took fifteen minutes to get it good, you know, to get your mix going between the two of us. Realized that we both played our kick drums, you know, placement roughly the same. 
Mm-hmm. And he, we were just playing, trying to figure out each other's tendencies. Mm-hmm. You know, his was to, you know, crash on beat two, and mine was to crash on beat one. Mm-hmm. His was to, you know, he would start all his drums with the snare drum. Mm-hmm. I started mine with the toms. All the way around. He would start with the toms. I started the snare drum. Yeah, sure. So what we ended up doing was just over the course of that little session and then the, the gig, uh, I let him play lead. He was, I was the supporting drummer. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. we would play the grooves and we wouldn't play the same groove. Huh. As weird as that sounds, you know, like, he, you know, he'd be, so say like he would be doing Pattern-wise. Like yeah, like okay. he would be like doing like, you know, and I would go, Okay. You know, or you know, yeah. or he might go, you know, and I'd be like, you know, like just depending yeah. on what you know, where we, especially depending on what the other guys were doing. So yeah. we would just kind of do that thing, and it would just kind of, go, oh, okay. Was that your first experience doing that? No, I did it. I grew up doing it with my dad's band, oh. so they had two drummers, yeah. and we did it kind of wrong, but it was it was the first of figuring out because we would actually play the same thing. You know, okay. we we were like in sync playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the exact same thing, which is fun. Uh, but then we had our moments when things would split, and we would do yeah. different things, and that was cool. Uh, nice. But it's once again, it's just listening. Yeah, and just but you found out. ways to complement and, and or add to the overall yeah. the overall arc, and, and, and maybe do something sonically that one drummer can't do. If you have two drummers, might as well make it sound like two and, drummers. <laughs> yeah, and then like not having the same drum sounds. You know, uh, Jeremy played 12, 14, 22, 18, mm. and I played 12, 16, 18 kick drum. Mm, okay, yeah. You know, he played really tight snare drum. Mm-hmm. I had a fat snare drum. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two snares I could change out if I wanted to, but that was kind of thing. And we just, you know, we weren't having the same sounds. You know, uh, he played smaller cymbals. I played massive cymbals. Yeah, you know, I played two cymbals. He had a few you know, splashes right. and things like that, right. and I had like a ride and a ride and some hats. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a yeah. tambourine. You know, like yeah. And it was kind of that thing when we just kind of would do that. Yeah. And it's fun, man. I remember seeing you a while ago. Uh, this is probably five, six years ago, and you had two cymbals, and it was like, almost like a Steve Jordan setup. And I was oh like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I want to do that. I went through. That's big, cool. <laughs> I went through a famine. I still love Steve Jordan, you know. Yeah. Him and Charlie Drayton are like two. Oh yeah. Two of yeah, my favorites. Sure. You know? It's like my favorite pop drummers are Ricky Lawson, Jonathan Moffat, mm-hmm. and even Omar Keen was playing with Donna back yeah. in the day. Oh yeah. Those those were like growing up. Those Sting. were yeah. Those were like my three favorite pop drummers because uh, they were dancers, drummers, you know what I mean? They yes. were accent, yeah. they were accenting yes. and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I approach, there's no dancers, but that's kind of how I approach mm-hmm. the B&R thing right now with with all the energy. And then there was Steve Jordan, Charlie Drayton, Charlie Watts. Mm-hmm. Those guys were cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They could, and you know, and Matt Chamberlain's into that, you know, they were, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. And then you had like Greg Morrow and, you know, McHugh and those dudes who were just, it's right there. They, you know, they oh, so big tapes, sounds, big sounds, yeah. just rocking. You know, I didn't get into Bonham until much later. Yeah, I got into the Beatles because of Rodney, because a big yeah. Beatles fan, and uh, so I got into Ringo and realized that Ringo was a very musical drummer. Yeah, yeah. Like, I it's really, not the first right. It's not the go-to when you're young. Let's no, 
So typically, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't mine. You know, I was like, yeah, right. whatever, you yeah. know. And then like, I got my first Beatles record was oh, I got Abbey Road. Okay, and I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is so brilliant. And you know, his uh, chops were were at their probably the weakest they had been throughout their career by yeah. Abbey Road. Uh-huh. His chops were killing yeah, early yeah, on. Early on, yeah. But the parts that were chosen. It was, so good, and I love George Harrison, you know. Yeah. Um, speaking of George Harrison, Steve Ferroni. Yeah. Love Steve Ferroni, man. Yeah. Like, he, my boy. Yeah. I don't really know him that well, but he's. I'll introduce you sometime. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, but, I, you know, I love, man, God, Steve Ferroni. Another really, really great one. So many great. I call so them the Steves. Uh, yeah. Steve Smith, Steve oh, Gadd, yeah. Steve Ferroni, Steve Jordan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my, Son was going to be named Ringo or Steve, <laughs> and my wife would allow you. It could be Steve-O. Uh, yeah, Steve-O. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would go yeah, completely yeah. different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tattoo yeah. Of yeah. yeah you know, oh, but you know, it's so funny, man. Like, Froney, you know, I love uh, Silent Phillips, you yeah. know, Billy Cobham, you know, of course, Dennis Chambers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all those dudes, man, like, Carter Beaufort was a big part because he was I like Carter Beaufort because he was the first guy to get away with murder on pop tunes like you listen to this well, stuff and he play. is an, he's an amalgam of all those guys I mean Cobham uh, and, and oh, yeah. all those oh, guys yeah. yeah you know and he's got away he was playing pop songs and he got to put massive drum kit and all that stuff you know and Simon Phillips I love I like Simon you know some people don't like Simon with Toto I like Simon with Toto I like his energy I like mm-hmm. the sounds you know mm-hmm. Steve Froney just you know, just kills me when we have the Shaka Khan stuff with him. And mm, the, I know. Obviously, the Heartbreakers, which the is great. Is insane. You know, it's so just like good. there's so many, you know, mm-hmm. so many fun, great things. And you know, like you were saying earlier, it's like drum lessons. Like I would just listen to records, yeah. or I would like I would I probably did four years straight of never missing Leno or Letterman. Hmm. I would stay up and watch the musical guest. Yeah. On Leno and see yeah. just see who was playing. One of the favorite things I saw, I think I still have it on VHS because I'm a hoarder like that. Dana Glover <laughs> on the on the Leno, Kurt Biscara on drums. Mm, yes. Nice. Yeah. Really, really cool. There used to be a show called Motown Live, I think that's right. Uh-huh. And they had a house house band. And the house drummers were, it would be either Kurt Piscara, Ricky Lawson, or Michael White. Oh, interesting. And, uh, and then, or Teddy, Teddy Campbell would be there also. Uh, but Ricky Lawson, once again, one of my favorite dudes. Yeah. He was so good on that. Man, he was, oh, you know, just, just that solid thing. I just saw that Nathan East movie that's out. Oh, right. Yeah. Fantastic. Is it? Great. Okay. And Ricky Lawson is the drummer to it. And he... He died, you know, uh, halfway through the, the okay. making the making the, the the thing is about the, the record, you know. But he, yeah. so Ricky ended up dying, so he didn't get Kelly to come in and play a couple, a couple more tracks. But man, just seeing that dude play drums, just seeing him work, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. dude had his dog. He brings his dog to the session. The dog sits in a little thing by him, doesn't, yeah. doesn't say anything, just chill. Is oh, it was like that, that is the that is the. A definition of success. You oh, bring and, your dog to a session. And it was and, and the fun thing about the movie, man, and uh, watching him and 
have met you know Ricky several times. Nicest guy on the planet. That's cool. He was there because he was a badass drummer. Yeah. But he was a cool dude. You know what I mean? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that nice? Oh man, that was like awesome. Well, that was the thing. I I I have like every I have probably twenty years of modern drummers in the other room over there, Um, and some of them I bought a couple more times. But I always enjoyed the Ricky Lawson stuff because he was so humble, Mm. so cool, Mm -hmm. so thankful. Yeah. And I was like, man, I like that. You know, like in. I think our personalities are similar. I'm a little more. I'm. I can definitely be crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like. I like that model. Well, it goes beyond the drumming, though. You're 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 interested in, in what he brings to the table as a person. And, yeah, and because it's just, at the end of the day, that's what we all are. You know, it's yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, you know, any anybody with a brain can work up playing an instrument or football or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. You know, you can you can work hard at that, mm-hmm. but personalities. You know, like being a cool dude. Like my folks are really nice. They're, my dad's like my dad's like one of the most laid back dudes in the world, which is why I mean I've kind of sort of adopted that in some ways. I'm definitely mm-hmm. the crazy person in my family, but yeah, being able to just you know have people tell you that you can. It's okay to be nice. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to. You know, it's okay to not finish first. Just finish. Yeah, or take down people along the way to get to the first. It, yeah. That's it's you. Once you get there, people are going to know you for all the bad things you did exactly. to get yeah. there, and that's that's not going to take you very yeah. far at all. So you know, it, it's just all of all of that. You know, yeah. just trying to you know just trying to be a, a good dude because I think that's what people want. You know, exactly. I think the music likes cool people. You know what I mean? It seems like, to be know. the main anthem here of this our little conversation <laughs> yeah, here. Just, you know we're, we're going to do this again we're not going to talk about drums we're going to talk about <laughs> life lessons yes it's life, personality. life lessons according to Keo uh, let's see uh, what do you do we're going uh, to try and get it on NPR we're going to talk really, <laughs> yeah. really quiet like this ladies and gentlemen we're talking to Keo's trout yeah, man. <laughs> well, what I want to do, I'm going to get some pictures of this crazy stuff that you've been talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you got to get my horse, man. I don't know if I want. That's a little disturbing. Yes. Um, hopefully, this is going to sound a little bit different, I think, because we had a, a malfunction. Um, but um, tons of awesome stuff. Tons of Fun great times. information, man. And I I appreciate it a lot. And um, Oh, thank you, man. This is cool. Um, but um, appreciate that. Indeed, indeed.